I'm Ronnie Dottle with the Dottle Farms in Riesel, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's always great to have you along with us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cattle herd continues to shrink. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, producers got an update from Dr. Joe Outlaw on where things stand in the effort to get a new farm bill written. I'm James Hunt, and we'll hear from Dr. Outlaw on Texas Ag Today. El Nino is starting to influence Texas weather as we enter the month of December. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have the full December forecast from the National Weather Service on Texas Ag Today. As December arrived, Coastal Bend farmers are still considering their options for the 2024 season. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. cattle herd is the smallest it's been in a long time. Lance Zimmerman, senior beef and cattle market analyst for Rabobank, says producers are still contracting their herd sizes. Yeah, we are. Basically, 2023 will be the fourth year of cow herd contraction. By the time we get our January 1 cattle inventory report, I'd expect the beef cow herd to be probably another 500,000 head, 600,000 head below last year's number. Like I said, in total, 3 million head since the 19 highs. And it's even though cattle prices are exceptional right now, whether it's baby calf prices, weaned calf prices, fed cattle prices, 40, 50 percent above a year ago. And there's one main reason for that continued contraction. We still have drought. What I always tell folks is, yeah, California may be looking better. Other areas of the country may have moisture that hasn't for a long time. When it comes to the nation's cow herd, you watch that area of states from Texas up to South Dakota and then over to Iowa and down to Arkansas. Those eight states represent 50% of the beef cows in the U.S. If that area is under drought, the cow herd's under distress. And we're still fighting that drought, even though we've transitioned to El Nino. Zimmerman believes the cattle herd will continue to shrink until fall of next year. Texas corn growers have more time to enter their crop into the National Corn Yield Contest. To give farmers more time to turn in their entries and yield information, the National Corn Growers Association has extended the contest harvest entry deadline to 4 p.m. Tuesday, December 5th. Corn growers can submit their entries on ncga.com. Harvest results must be submitted as well to be included in the 2023 rankings. Again, that is ncga.com. 
The winners will be announced Wednesday, December 13th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Now is a great time to deworm cattle. Grant Crawford is Associate Director of Cattle Technical Services for Merck Animal Health. He says deworming now can provide a ton of return for the input required. When we look at deworming, it's something that's often overlooked, and but it's extremely important. When you look at all the technologies that are available for beef cows, for the cow-calf operation, or for stock or cattle on grass, deworming or wormers, dewormers, are the product that can provide the greatest return for those enterprises. So it's something that we really need to pay attention to, not only that cattle get dewormed, but that they're properly dewormed at the right time of year. Crawford says the data shows that pour-on and injectable treatments aren't as effective as their oral treatment products. Farmers and ranchers attending the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show last week got a farm bill update from Texas A&M's Dr. Joe Outlaw. James Hunt was there. The extension of the 2018 Farm Bill is scheduled to last until September 30th of next year. Will we have a new Farm Bill by then? At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, I talked with Texas A&M Ag Economist Joe Outlaw. Dr. Outlaw has been working closely with members of Congress on getting a Farm Bill written, and he believes the process is likely to take a while longer. I think there's a window after they pass the appropriations bills early next year for a couple of months before the primary start happening. If they can get it together, I think they can at least introduce it in both the House and the Senate and kind of start working through some of those problems that they might have, differences there. Maybe they can get it pulled off, but really I think it's the lame duck session after the elections in November is the most likely time. And again, that's all dependent upon who's in charge of House and Senate at that point. So it might Push it. I, it's actually a lot more likely to be 25 than, than 24, in my opinion. So if we're looking at another extension, uh, how well are things working with what we do have in place? Well, again, the, the safety net on the, for the producers, when we had the big wholesale increases in most of the inputs they purchased to operate, that really put them in a bind. It put the, our current safety net programs uh, kind of inadequate. And so... Uh, that's okay right now because prices are pretty high. But when they start coming down, like projections are, that prices are going to start kind of coming back to the way they used to be. And when that happens, we're going to have a lot more pressure on, uh, on needing farm bill changes that they have been talking about doing. That's Dr. Joe Outlaw of Texas A&M. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. El Nino is starting to influence Texas weather as December gets underway. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a National Weather Service meteorologist for a December forecast. For today's program, we go to Fort Worth, and Tom Bradshaw is our guest. Uh, he is meteorologist with the National Weather Service. And uh, Tom, we are into December. What are the temperatures and precipitation outlook show for the last month of the year? We are starting to get into the, the coolest months of the year normally for the state of Texas. We had a relatively dry and relatively seasonable November. That's probably going to continue into December. Now, once you get into December, you start seeing more you know, Arctic cold fronts you know, penetrating into the state. So we'll start to have more outbreaks of colder weather as we get deep 
into the month. Overall, we're looking at a relatively normal month temperature-wise, a little wetter than normal on the precip side. Because of El Nino, we, we are expecting you know, that pattern to persist, and that's going to lead to a few more storm systems moving into the area through the month of December and giving us a little better opportunity for rain and perhaps even some winter precip for parts of the northern areas as we get deeper into the month. So can we safely say at this point El Nino is uh, having an influence on the weather here in Texas and maybe other regions of the country? Well, it's starting to have some influence on us. So it, it's taken a bit of a, it's put a bit of a dent into the into the drought that we've had across the state. There's still some areas that are seeing some significant drought across the far west, the central counties and parts of the, of the far east. But parts of deep south Texas in particular have seen a, a big improvement. They've received quite a bit of rainfall during the month of November. And so conditions are much better in the deep south and even parts of the northern counties and, and, and the west central counties of the state of Texas. And that's probably due to the the fact that the, the El Nino pattern has established itself uh, across the southern United States. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend farmers are considering their options for the upcoming 2024 growing season. Harvey Buring has this update from the Corpus Christi area. Well, now that December has arrived, the Coastal Bend area... Farmers are gearing up for the upcoming season by putting out some pre-plant fertilizer applications. And uh, row crop farming will begin as early here in the Coastal Bend as early to mid-February for those who intend to plant corn and grain sorghum. The question that uh, remains on many growers' minds at this time is how they're going to allocate their cropland acres. Here in the Coastal Bend, most farmers have been in a 50-50 rotation. That meaning that half of their cropland goes to cotton production. The other half goes to feed grain production, primarily grain sorghum. But last year, with the downturn in the economy and the effects that it had on reducing the cotton market, many producers reduced their acres by as much as 15 to 20 percent because cotton is an expensive crop to produce and soil moisture was somewhat limited. Producers went more heavily into grain sorghum last season, and that had a adverse effect on many of our cotton gins in the area since those hot summer months with little rain did very little to increase the yield potential in the remaining cotton fields, and that reduced the amount of cotton typically produced in our area by as much as 30 to 40 percent. So growers, again, are facing concerns about how much cotton they're willing to put in the ground with very little improvement showing up in the futures market for the price of cotton at the conclusion of next season. Should there be some sharp increases in the next few weeks, that dilemma could change and producers would be increasing the amount of acres from last season. But currently, ginners and warehousemen are concerned that growers will not be making those upward adjustments in their cotton production here in the coastal bend. Time will only tell. And fortunately, soil moisture situations have improved from a year ago, making next season's outlook much brighter than it was at this time last year. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. 
Deer hunters who hunt in the North Zone may see changes in 2024-2025. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And genetics play a crucial role in modern agriculture. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Genetics play a crucial role in modern agriculture. Dr. Bob Judd has more on the importance of genetic improvements. Breeders have noted the significance of genetics in enhancing animal productivity. The United States Department of Agriculture and their National Animal Germ Plasm Program, or NAGP, has collected and preserved more than 1 million samples from 64,000 animals across the United States. The samples date from the 1940s to the present, and the goal is to maintain the genetic diversity of American livestock, provide genetic security, and improve the understanding of animal genetics. Dr. Harvey Blackburn with NAGP indicated that over the last Last 24 years, NAGP has released 11,000 samples from the germplasm collection to breeders, university researchers, animal industry, and scientific communities for molecular studies and introduction of lost genetic variability. One example is a beef cattle producer in South Dakota successfully incorporated samples from the NAGP repository into their breeding program. They received semen samples from five Angus bulls born before 1997 and used these to inseminate 150 Angus cows. The resulting offspring are helping to modify the breeder's cow herd, and the progeny have shown high performance levels for a combination of traits. They are now studying the genetic differences between these bulls from 26 years ago versus bulls from today. Another example is the researchers at Penn State found in 2020 that the entire United States Holstein population originated from two paternal lineage lines from bulls in the 1970s. Through genomic and pedigree lineage tracing of samples in the germplasm, two additional unique Y chromosomes were found that were lost due to selection, and daughter progeny of the two bulls produced milk yields above the expected levels. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Deer hunters in the North Zone may see changes next year. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Deer hunters in North Texas could see a change to the muzzleloader season in 2024-2025. Alan Kane, Big Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explained a potential proposal to the Parks and Wildlife Commission. Over the last couple of years, staff received multiple requests from individuals to replace the muzzleloader season with a primitive weapons season to allow for various methods of take, such as archery equipment, muzzleloader, straight wall, black powder rifles, or other types 
types of primitive weapons. And just to note, the muzzleloader season occurs during the two-week period after the close of general season in North Texas, uh, the North Zone counties there. So rather than create a primitive weapon season, so we're not carving out some special options for people with these different requests, staff would be considering a proposal to eliminate the muzzleloader season and the special late season, the doe and spike season, as it's commonly referred to in the remaining North Texas counties there, and extend the general season an additional two weeks to overlap essentially what those the muzzleloader and the special late season is now. And it would allow hunters the opportunity to use any legal means of take rather than, you know, shrinking this down to muzzleloaders or something else. And at that time of year, big game harvest surveys show that there's very little harvest related to muzzleloader at that point in time. The proposed regulation change is informal until January. At that time, TPWD staff will bring formal proposals to the Parks and Wildlife Commission for their consideration. If a The proposed rule change will be published in the Texas Register and TPWD will begin accepting public comment. TPWD will potentially bring back any proposed rule changes to the Commission for Adoption in March. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The volatility continued in cattle futures on Friday. We started out the week with a big drop. Then we saw a couple of sharply higher sessions, only to drop it off again at the end of the week. December live cattle down $1.60 on Friday, $169.27. February down $270, $169.12. With April live cattle down $280. 171.62. Feeders hit hard again on Friday. January feeder cattle down 552, 214.42. March down 535 at 217.22. April feeder cattle down 550, 221.17. Cash fed cattle saw sales trickle in all week long. We started out the week selling cattle here in Texas at 175. That backed on down to 174 by the time we got to Friday. That's about three bucks lower than last week's average price. In the Northern Plains, 175 was the price on a live basis, 275 dressed. That's about four bucks lower on a dressed basis than last week's average. Box beef was mixed Friday, choice down a dollar, 298.02, with select up a dollar 16, 265.91. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde and his mom and his brother own and operate Southwest. They have a cattle sale every Thursday, sheep and goat sale every Tuesday. So this is Friday. That means we had a cattle sale. Klein, how did it go? 
Went well today, Larry. We had 686 head. Uh, Packer cows and bulls, I thought we were fully steady with two weeks ago. Didn't see a whole lot of change there. Uh, those lightweight calves, I'd call them anywhere from 6 to $10 better today than two weeks ago. And those uh, yearlings, I'd say were maybe 4 to $5 lower, just kind of on that short time frame there on that cattle board. But uh, still bringing lots of money. Those choice steers, $1.70 to $2.25. Those lightweights, $2.10 to $2.90. Choice heifers, $1.95 to $2.15. And those lightweights, $2.05 to $2.75. Crossbred steers, dollar seventy-five to two twenty. Those lightweights, dollar ninety to two seventy. Crossbred heifers, dollar seventy-five to two fifteen. And those lightweights, dollar eighty to two sixty. Stocker cows, a dollar to a dollar twenty. Those packer bulls, dollar to a dollar sixteen. Those good breaker cows, ninety to a dollar five. Cutters and canners, seventy-eight to eighty-eight. And those shelly cows, thirty to fifty-five. Uh, good pairs, kind of fourteen to sixteen fifty. Planer pairs, thousand to twelve hundred. And the bred cows, they thousand to fifteen hundred. So overall. Uh, a good market here to kind of kick it off after the holidays and uh, finish out the year hopefully strong. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sheep and goat sale on Tuesday, Cattle Thursday in Uvalde. Give us a call at the office, 830-278-5621. My cell phone, 830-591-3241. We appreciate it. Thank you, Klein. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. And neighbor, it's about time to tell you good folks goodbye. We appreciate you listening to Walking the Pins here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so right this second, and we're so proud to be a part of it. It's called Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. Nearby December down 17 cents, 68.60. February hogs down $1.37 at 70.10. Class 3 milk was slightly higher Friday. December milk up 4 cents, 16, 14, 100 weight. January milk up 13 at 16, 32, 100. Cotton market drifted lower in Friday's trade. First trading day of the month. Didn't hold a lot of upside potential for the market. December cotton dropped 98 points, closing at 78.42. March cotton down 64 at 79.42 cents. Grain markets finish slightly higher on Friday. Corn market putting a couple of cents back on. December corn up two and three quarters, 464 and a half. March corn up two at 484 and three quarters. Wheat market continued the impressive gains we've seen this week. Just a few days ago, Kansas City wheat was below $6 on that December contract. Today it was up one and three quarters, closing at 645 a bushel. December Chicago wheat up six and three quarters. At 577 a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas down a penny, 278. January West Texas crude down a dollar fifty-eight at 7438 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 264 points, 36,214. The Nasdaq up 64, 14,290. The S&P up 23 at 4,591. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.